the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Good evening, everyone. I don't know if you get your Bible out and read along with us each evening or if you enjoy just being able to relax and just listen. Maybe you have a little notebook somewhere where you can write down a note if something impresses you. Or maybe you have your Bible, you can jot down something in the margin there. However you do it, I've always encouraged folks for many years to have a notebook, just a normal old classroom notebook. Just jot down the date, the text that we're reading for the night, and then just wait and see what comes out of the Scriptures for you. Something will, for sure. It always does. We'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapters 6 and 7 tonight. We're going to start with the feeding of the 5,000. John will tell us about that experience. We've read about it a little bit in the other Gospels. And then tonight, Jesus walks on the water, and we'll hear the first of the eight great I Ams of the Gospel of John. But before we do that, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. We'll pick up in Chapter 9 of the Proverbs, where again, wisdom is being personified on the Bible life. Proverbs 9, verses 1 through 9. Wisdom has built her spacious house with seven pillars. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights, overlooking the city. Come home with me, she urges the simple. To those without good judgment, she says, Come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your foolish ways behind, and begin to live. 
Learn how to be wise. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get a smart retort. Anyone who rebukes the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother rebuking mockers. They will only hate you. But the wise, when rebuked, will love you all the more. Teach the wise, and they will be wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn more. End of reading, Proverbs 9, verses 1 through 9. So good to me. You came and found the sofa, and then you brought me right into your family. Oh, yeah. oh, God. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. You threw away my past, and you never count my sins against me. All right, <laughs> get the moving, tapping those feet, get happy in the Lord. That's an exciting, wonderful message of joy. This is great, great news we're talking about. God has visited the planet. He has made his love, his interest in us known. He is not the absentee landlord who just put the planet to spinning and placed us on it and then took a vacation to the Honolulu of the universe, wherever that might be. That's not right at all. He's remained involved. He loves, he cares about his creation, and he has made a way, a provision, a means of redemption, of salvation, so that we can have our sins forgiven and cleansed. Not only forgiveness. Do you realize that forgiveness is not enough? We need more than forgiveness. If all we have is forgiveness... It's like we have HIV, AIDS, or some of these other incurable diseases or cancers. We can alleviate the pain. We can take away some of the more difficult symptoms and take away some of the discomfort, but we can't remove the disease itself. And that's where we would be if all we have is forgiveness. We have more than just forgiveness, though. By the cross, we have the forgiveness and the cleansing that we need. And by the empty tomb, we have the power of God at present in our life to transform us to regenerate us, to give us a brand new life, and to overcome that sin nature that we talked about that Jesus does not have. That's the one thing he does not have is that irresistible, irrevocable tendency to sin and selfishness. That's what we have, but that's what is being taken out of our lives by his power. And we're forgiven and cleansed, and then we are transformed by his spirit as he dwells within us and changes our life, replacing that old sin nature with his new nature, a nature that desires the good, the righteous, the holy, the pure. That's an exciting, exciting thought, and a tremendous adventure to be involved in. In chapter 6 now, Jesus is teaching the 5,000. He is going to be giving his first of the eight I am's. Believe us, I am the bread of life tonight on the Bible Life. John 6, 1 through 7, 53. John 6. After this, Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miracles as he healed the sick. Then Jesus went up into the hills and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the annual Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a great crowd of people climbing the hill looking for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, It would take a small fortune to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus ordered. 
So all of them, the men alone numbered 5,000, sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and passed them out to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate until they were full. Now gather the leftovers, Jesus told his disciples, so that nothing is wasted. There were only five barley loaves to start with, but twelve baskets were filled with the pieces of bread the people did not eat. When the people saw this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Jesus saw that they were ready to take him by force and make him king, so he went higher into the hills alone. That evening his disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed out across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them as they rowed, and the sea grew very rough. They were three or four miles out when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, I am here, don't be afraid. Then they were eager to let him in, and immediately the boat arrived at their destination. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The next morning, back across the lake, crowds began gathering on the shore, waiting to see Jesus. For they knew that he and his disciples had come over together, and that the disciples had gone off in their boat, leaving him behind. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. When the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. When they arrived and found him, they asked, Teacher, how did you get here? Jesus replied, The truth is, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you saw the miraculous sign. But you shouldn't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that I, the Son of Man, can give you. For God the Father has sent me for that very purpose. They replied, What does God want us to do? Jesus told them, This is what God wants you to do. Believe in the one he has sent. They replied, You must show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What will you do for us? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. As the scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I assure you, Moses didn't give them bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day of our lives. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry again. Those who believe in me will never thirst. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do what I want. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them to eternal life at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, that I should raise them at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread from heaven. They said, This is Jesus, the son of Joseph. We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, Don't complain about what I said. For people can't come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them from the dead. 
as it is written in the Scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who hears and learns from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I who was sent from God have seen him. I assure you, anyone who believes in me already has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. However, the bread from heaven gives eternal life to everyone who eats it. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, offered so the world may live. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them at the last day. For my flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. All who eat my flesh and drink my blood remain in me, and I in them. I live by the power of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, those who partake of me will live because of me. I am the true bread from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever and not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Even his disciples said, This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus knew within himself that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, Does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see me, the Son of Man, return to heaven again? It is the Spirit who gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you don't believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning who didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, That is what I meant when I said that people can't come to me unless the Father brings them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you going to leave too? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You alone have the words that give eternal life. We believe them, and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, who would betray him. John 7. After this, Jesus stayed in Galilee, going from village to village. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the festival of shelters, and Jesus' brothers urged him to go to Judea for the celebration. Go where your followers can see your miracles, they scoffed. You can't become a public figure if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, prove it to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go. But you can go any time, and it will make no difference. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of sin and evil. You go on. I am not yet ready to go to this festival because my time has not yet come. So Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of discussion about him among the crowds. Some said, he's a wonderful man. 
while others said, He's nothing but a fraud, deceiving the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. Then, midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The Jewish leaders were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't studied everything we've studied, they ask. So Jesus told them, I'm not teaching my own ideas, but those of God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who present their own ideas are looking for praise for themselves, but those who seek to honor the one who sent them are good and genuine. None of you obeys the law of Moses. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replied, You're demon-possessed! Who's trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I worked on the Sabbath by healing a man, and you were offended. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision is older than the law of Moses. It goes back to Abraham. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it, so as not to break the law of Moses. So why should I be condemned for making a man completely well on the Sabbath? Think this through and you will see that I am right. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Some of the people who lived there in Jerusalem said among themselves, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is speaking in public and they say nothing to him. Can it be that our leaders know that he really is the Messiah? But how could he be? For we know where this man comes from. When the Messiah comes, he will simply appear. No one will know where he comes from. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out, Yes, you know me and you know where I come from. But I represent one you don't know, and he is true. I know him because I have come from him, and he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Many among the crowds at the temple believed in him. After all, they said, would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? When the Pharisees heard that the crowds were murmuring such things, they and the leading priests sent temple guards to arrest Jesus. But Jesus told them, I will be here a little longer. Then I will return to the one who sent me. You will search for me, but not find me, and you won't be able to come where I am. The Jewish leaders were puzzled by this statement. Where is he planning to go, they asked. Maybe he is thinking of leaving the country and going to the Jews in other lands, or maybe even to the Gentiles. What does he mean when he says, You will search for me, but not find me, and you won't be able to come where I am? On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, If you are thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow out from within. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, This man surely is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others said, But he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowd was divided in their opinion about him, and some wanted him arrested, but no one touched him. The temple guards who had been sent to arrest him returned to the leading priests and Pharisees. Why didn't you bring him in, they demanded. 
We have never heard anyone talk like this, the guards responded. Have you been led astray too, the Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? These ignorant crowds do, but what do they know about it? A curse on them anyway. Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, then spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing, he asked? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. Then the meeting broke up and everybody went home. End of reading John 6, 1 through 7, 53. No doubt it'll be all right. With God it will all work together for good. No doubt in the end it will be understood. And after all is done, we'll find out. All we really need to have is no doubt. <laughs> I've always loved the message of that song, the simplicity of it. What went through your mind as you heard the Bible being read over the airwaves this evening? Was it the feeding of the 5,000? We've read about it in other Gospels. This is John's version, John's point of view as he watched this memorable event Jesus takes from a young boy. Now, he's contrasting here the disciples. He asked Philip. Now, why did he home in on Philip? Why did he say to Philip, where can we get bread for these people? Remember, Philip is from Bethsaida, right next to them. Philip knows the area. The disciples had far more resources than this young boy, that's for sure. But they still didn't have enough to meet the need of the 5,000 people. But they didn't even offer what they had. I've always been touched by this child, this boy who doesn't have near the resources they have, yet he gives up what little he has. Here's the young boy. He's got very little compared to what is needed for all of these people, five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that, Andrew says, uh, Simon Peter's brother. What good is that with this huge crowd? Well, in the hands of God, it's enough. It's more than enough. (laughs) We've got the lesson of the leftovers here, too. Whatever you offer God, he will receive. And what he receives, he purifies. And what he purifies, he blesses. And what he blesses, he uses. And whatever he uses, he multiplies. See, God is not a net taker. God is a giver, not a taker. And whatever you give, he'll receive it. But he's going to purify it and bless it. Then he's going to use it, and then he's going to multiply it back to you, which gives you more than that you can offer back to him. A lesson within a lesson. There are a lot of those here in this passage. Then, of course, the disciples get in the boats, heading off to the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, up to Capernaum. But Jesus didn't go with them. And so the winds come down off the hills across the Sea of Galilee, and the sea grew very rough, and they were afraid. And they see Jesus come walking to them, Walking on the water. Wow. We can never comprehend this. This is just beyond our ability to understand. Remember, this was not done in his own power. This was not done under his own prerogative of his own authority, of his own right as God. Jesus was under orders here. That was his task. When the eternal Son of God, creator of the universe, voluntarily became a man, Part of that decision was that he was leaving off his divine prerogatives, initiatives, and authority. He did not cease being God, but he left off voluntarily his own right authority to act as God. He took upon himself the challenge of living out a perfect life of man, a finite, dependent being. Instead of infinite and independent, 
he became finite and dependent for our sakes, and he walked under the yoke totally and absolutely, consistently, constantly obedient to that humble role of walking, trusting the Father. So everything he did, now he's already told you that several times, everything he did, he did by the authority, by the power, by the prerogative and initiative of God the Father. Not of his own initiative, not of his own power. He's not showing off. He's not trying to prove he's God. Look at John chapter 5, verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. (laughs) He said it again back in verse 19. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing of or by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing and leading him to do. So God has a purpose for him as the Messiah to do this. And he is bringing glory to the Father. He is shedding that light. God is putting on him his seal of approval. Did you see that passage Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Listen to this. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval, and that is by these signs and wonders. God is putting the good housekeeping seal of approval on his Son, saying this is the one. So here we have it. Uh, It very clear message. And then he has this beautiful message about the theme of I am. I am the bread of life. And the subject comes up, the manna that God gave the people of Israel over that 40-year period that they were in the wilderness under Moses' leadership and guidance. Remember this miraculous uh, nutrition, this miraculous bread that God provided for the people of Israel. As it turns out, that was not an end in itself. That was a signal. That was a sign. That was a type, a picture of the work of the Messiah, the Redeemer that God would send someday, not to take away just our physical hunger, but to take away the spiritual longing and hunger that we have. Jesus is the fulfillment of that manna. He is the true bread of life. I know what you're thinking. In that last passage, the Jewish leaders are saying, the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee. Everyone knows that the Messiah is from the household of David and will come out of the city of Bethlehem. If they had only done their homework, if they had only checked the facts, they would understand that he was born in Bethlehem. He was of the household of David, the lineage of David. Very interesting. Of course, a great deal of his ministry took place here in the northern area of Israel, as was prophesied as well. So Jesus is just walking down the line, fulfilling every prophecy the of Bible the Messiah. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget... Join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. 
Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 